rushing past the sticks Welcome back to 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stolzer, joined as always by John Paulson. JP, how are we doing today? Not bad. We're recording on a Thursday, a day early, because I actually have a quiet house. My roofing project is going to be completed on Tuesday, next Tuesday, I think. Uh, but I'm told that there will be football in a week. Is that is that true? You know what? We, If you're a college football fan, football has already started. So oh. everybody's, everybody's ready to go. But from an NFL standpoint, yeah, in one week from today... We will have an NFL game. It's awesome. Exciting. Let's go. Let's talk about the music before we dive into the podcast. Who, who brought us in today? Yes, this is uh, Israel Nash. Um, it's the third track, Down in the Country, off of his uh, album Topaz, which came out this year. Uh, so I'll add it to the most accurate podcast playlist, uh, and you can find a link to that in the show notes, so check it out. All right, we've partnered with Underdog Fantasy to offer a free 4 for 4 Pro subscription, which is a $59 value just for depositing $10. That's all you have to do. Deposit $10 at Underdog as a new user. Uh, not only that, but Underdog will also give you a bonus of $25 in your account, and our partners at FFPC will also give you a $35 credit for one of their leagues if you are a new FFPC user. If you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm a returning FFPC user, what about me? No problem, we got something for you too. Returning FFPC users will get a $10 credit. It's important that you use the code 4 for 4 That's the number 4, F-O-R, number 4, 4 for 4 All that is in, in caps, and you're going to claim that free subscription that way. For full details, go to bit.ly backslash 4 for 4 deal and that 4 for 4 deal part is all in caps. Or you can also check out John's Twitter page, at 4 for 4 underscore John, because he's got a twin, a pinned tweet, I should say, pinned tweet at the top of his page that has all the details for you there. We've, we've have, you know, we've been talking about this for a while. The offer, we have never seen anything like this. It's great. We hope that all of our listeners can take advantage of it. We've also partnered with Price Picks to offer a free DFS or betting subscription just for depositing $20 to $35 as a new user at Prize Pick. So if you'd rather get a DFS or a betting subscription, or you can't take advantage of that underdog offer that I just mentioned, then this, this deal might be perfect for you. Just go to bit.ly backslash prize picks, and that's all in caps, that prize picks, for all the details. And the DFS subscription usually costs about $99. Betting subscription's about $179 at four for four. So this is another great way to get a, a, a great subscription for a huge discount. You also get a $35 coupon at FFPC if you're a new user. Tuesday was cut down day around the NFL, John, so a couple of big news items that came out, including the biggest news, probably from a national standpoint, in New England, where the Patriots cut Cam Newton. This obviously means that Mac Jones is going to get the start from day one. Brian Hoyer was also released, so the backup's going to be Jared Stidham in New England. What does this mean for the Patriots' offense, which was extremely run-heavy last season under Cam Newton? This was big news because my wife, who's not a fantasy footballer or much of a football fan other than watching the Packers with me every Sunday, um, came home uh, from work and said, somebody big got cut today. Is it Newt Camden something like that? <laughs> and she, was, she, she knows who Cam Newton is, but she didn't make the connection. And uh, so it was her discussion at lunch with her coworkers. Uh she, she learned that information. So, yes, this permeated uh, all facets of society. Uh, Cam, Newton get, get, Cam Newton getting cut. Um, I think we're looking at 
a completely different offense relative to what we saw last year. They, you know, Mac Jones is more of a Tom Brady than uh, Cam Newton, obviously, and you know, pocket passer, accurate, can run an offense. And apparently, when Newton was out with this COVID confusion, I guess we'll call it, uh, he had to he had to miss time because he was a close contact or something. And uh, Mac Jones just apparently tore up practice uh, joint practices. You know, completed a lot of his passes, looked great. And I think at that point they decided that they were going to let uh, Newton go and just uh, go ahead and start Mac Jones week one. Uh, and this means that the Patriots, I mean, the Patriots offense is already going to be more pass heavy this year because they added uh, a bunch of weapons, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, um, Nelson Aguilar, and Kendrick Bourne. And so we were already going to see, they were already signaling that they were going to go more pass heavy, but they weren't going to go super pass heavy necessarily with Cam Newton at quarterback. But now without his rushes in there and his goal line carries in there, you should see more opportunity for these receivers. I was already factoring in, you know, a lot of Mac Jones, or, you know, I was expecting Mac Jones to start significant number of games this year. Uh, it just seemed like it was headed that direction all offseason. Um, I did think at the start of this that Newton might start for a while, but, uh, because they have a good defense, a good offensive line. I think he was capable of winning a bunch of games at the start of the season and holding on to that job. But um, I think this uh, COVID confusion uh, was the last straw for the, for him. And maybe Bill Belichick won't, won't admit that, but that's <laughs> that's certainly how it looks from the outside. Um, this is good for Jacoby uh, Myers. Uh, it's good for Janu Smith, who I think now is entering the low-end tight end one conversation, especially with what's going on at that position. It's good for James White and uh, good probably for Damian Harris, who should see a few extra uh, goal line carries with with uh, Cam Newton no longer there to vulture him. So, you know, it, in general, it's good for the entire offense because it's just going to be more of a productive pass offense and that affects more players and, you know, a run heavy offense like uh, what they had last year. Yeah, I expected Cam Newton to be the starter as well, John. A lot of that was based on the fact that he was taking first team reps. You know, he was the he was the first team quarterback for most of those practices. Even I believe even when he came back from the COVID, yeah, the COVID confusion yep. as we're calling it down the podcast. Uh, you know, he had first he was he was with the first teamer, so that was certainly a surprise. And with the way that the NFLPA PA reacted to Urban Meyer saying, "Can I can I say that we cut some players because there was some consideration with COVID?" <laughs> I don't blame Bill Belichick for saying, "Nope, doesn't have anything." Nope, Newton was released. Uh, nothing to do with COVID. COVID? What COVID? <laughs> what are you talking about? All right, after we yeah. after we recorded last week, John, J.K. Dobbins, the talented running back, young running back for Baltimore, he tore his ACL against Washington. Where does this put Gus Edwards in the running back rankings for you? Yeah, and then just let me preface this by saying that, you know, Baltimore is a, a threat to bring in a veteran running back, but I, I still think that Edwards is going to lead this backfield no matter what I still think he's going to be, you know slide into that Dobbins role Dobbins is a lot faster and could hit the outside runs better but uh, Edwards has been really good uh over the past few seasons and I think he does have RB1 upside if the team utilizes him in the red zone as Dobbins uh, was last year down the stretch he scored nine touchdowns Dobbins did in the last eight games including the playoffs um running backs last year for the Ravens combined to score 17 touchdowns during the regular season so if Edwards sees you know 70% of those scores and they score a similar number of touchdowns, he's going to find the end zone 10-plus times. Um, in, the, in 21 games since 2018 where he's seen at least nine carries, he's averaged 14.8 touches 
14.3 carries for 74 yards, 2.9 or 0.29 touchdowns per game. I expect that to increase. And he had the, the number four PFF run grade last year. He finished 19th or higher in that grade, uh, in that metric, in each of the last three seasons. He has the fifth highest yards per carry from 2019 to 2020. And he just hasn't been a big part of the passing game, and that's why people are like, oh, I'm not going to draft him as an RB2, or he doesn't have that receiving upside. Um, and I get it, uh, but he has caught 18 of 22 career targets, which is an 82% catch rate for 10.8 yards per catch. That's really efficient. Um, and You know, you could say that he hasn't been a big part of the passing game, and that's on him not having the talent, but his in the limited use that he's had in the passing game, he's been very productive, and Reportedly, the uh, Ravens have made a big onus on getting the uh, uh, running backs more involved as receivers. So if that carries over and Edwards is involved, then he could see 30 catches this year, a career high, and you know start entering the RB1 conversation because that that uh, Baltimore running game is so so productive. Uh, I think the other guy, everybody's jumping on Justice Hill right away, but it turns out that Tyson Williams is the RB2 according to. Uh, Jameson Hensley, I think, is the uh, beat writer that I saw, said that uh, Williams would be the number two uh, in week one if if uh, Dobbins were to miss, and obviously he's going to now. And so it looks like he's the, the backup there that you want to have as opposed to Justice Hill. And then, of course, they could bring in somebody like Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell that's still out on the waiver wire, uh, Adrian Peterson, um, to come in and try to take the load off. But I think for now they're, they're, they're planning to use Edwards, and I think you'll probably see 60 percent of the touches and that's going to lead to a solid RB2 season. Moving forward, Irv Smith is likely out for the year after meniscus surgery. The Vikings traded for Chris Herndon, but Tyler Conklin is expected to lead this tight end group in snaps. Is there any upside with Conklin or Herndon? Yeah, the Herndon stuff is funny. Um, Shout out to Ian Hartiz who from PFF who just loves loves Chris Herndon and is predicting Chris Herndon's season. I don't know if he's doing it tongue-in-cheek or what, but we've been predicting it for several... uh, Years and he has just completely faded from the Jets and got the trade. I'm surprised he got traded as opposed to just cut, but the Vikings traded for him. Uh, he does have some physical ability. I think uh, Mike Zimmer called him decent and pretty good in, a, in some comments. <laughs> uh, so it doesn't look like he's necessarily going to come in and just take over the Irv Smith role, but uh, he may work his way into the streaming conversation if things break his way. Uh, Conklin is interesting because he was Zimmer mentioned him initially when the original question was if Irv Smith was going to have a breakout year. And he talked about well, t- well Tyler Conklin was going to see those opportunities because he's he was the direct backup to Kyle Rudolph. And when Rudolph missed four games, the last four games last year, Conklin posted receiving lines of five for forty on five targets, three for fifty-seven and a touchdown on four targets, four for thirty-one on six targets and three for 40 on six targets to close out the year. And in that span, he was the number 15 fantasy tight end. And that's not, you know, that's nothing to write home about, but you know, this guy is completely free in uh, fantasy drafts and certainly in best ball, you can get him in the last couple of rounds as your second or third tight end. And you're probably going to get a guy who's playing 90% or more of the snaps. And, you know, he saw nine, 15, 21 targets in the final four, games and that's a pretty good usage for a tight end that you can get that late given all the injuries and playing time concerns in the tight end two ranks is it more important than ever to grab a top six tight end in your eyes 
I think so. I it's just getting so rough out there in the streets for people that want to you know have breakout tight ends. We're down to just a couple of possibilities. I'm sure there's going to be some guys emerging early in the season, but some of our favorites that we thought we're going to see 80-90% of the snaps and break out this year have just fallen by the wayside. Um, so I've always been an early tight end guy since the days of Antonio Gates and earlier. Um, I just think it gives you such an advantage, even though it's a onesie position. It gives you such an advantage over the majority of your league if you can grab a Kelsey or Darren Waller or George Kittle. Uh, I think TJ Hawkinson, uh, Kyle Pitts, and Mark Andrews are all, if you go into the season with those six guys, one of those six guys, you got to be feeling good about your tight end situation because you're going to have an advantage over the rest of the league, um, especially if you have somebody like Kelsey or Waller. Uh, I like Kittle as well. He, if he can stay healthy, uh, he's been falling uh, a bit. Uh, Waller's going well ahead of him, and maybe the two, if they're both healthy, are, are closer than that. But I think the, the injury concerns for Kittle are baked into his ADP which makes some sense. Uh, Logan Thomas, I think, I feel like he's the firewall at tight end, and maybe you can add a couple other guys to this, but he's going much later than this top six, but I think he's a safe pick if you miss out on the top six and you want to grab a, a good starting tight end. He, he finished, I think, top five or six last year, and he should see the exact same role he did. Uh, even though he was a late breakout, uh, he's still heavily involved in that offense, and there's no sign that he's going to just go away, especially with a quarterback upgrade in uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and a guy who will give his receivers option, you know, opportunities to make plays, red zone or wherever on the field. So I would call him my uh, tight end firewall, where you got to grab him and you still feel okay about, still feel good about the tight end position, and then you get into the next group, and I think Noah Fant starts to enter it, especially in PPR or t- tight end premium formats, because he should catch a lot of passes uh, with Teddy Bridgewater uh, taking over at quarterback there. There should just be more completions and some yards, and even though uh, Teddy Bridgewater has not thrown a bunch of touchdowns, he should be productive in terms of moving the ball up and down the field, and Fant is one of the best athletes at the position Uh so he has a lot of upside. He's obviously a young guy who has a lot of upside. There's competition in that offense for, for targets for sure, um, but there is upside there with Fant. I would feel okay with Dallas Goddard and Janu Smith as well. I feel like they're decent uh, baseline-type plays each week. And then Goddard obviously would have a bunch of upside if Zach Ertz were to be traded, but it sounds like Zach Ertz um, may, may end up staying in Philly this year. So that would obviously hamstring Goddard uh, in terms of his upside. Johnny Smith, I think, benefits from Mac uh, Jones being under center. I think uh, you, you look at him and Hunter Henry, and they might cancel each other out, but Janu has been doing better in camp. Henry's been dealing with an injury. Janu has more uh, rapport with, with Jones, and they did sign him first, so it feels like they have maybe more bigger plans for, for Smith than they do Henry. But I think Henry you know, obviously has a longer uh, receiving resume uh, he's had more productive fantasy years than smith has so that's an inter- that'll be an interesting dynamic with those two they're both going to play a lot i think they're gonna run a lot of tight end too and then you get into like you know tyler higby who's dealing who i like as an upside play but he's dealing with jacob harris who might be the new gerald everett uh, mike Kosicki, who is just as athletic as noah fant but you know he was playing so much slot last year and then they drafted Jalen Waddell who's going to play a lot of slot for Miami you know how much is Gasicki going to to play for Miami uh, so that's not kind of an unknown you're going to run him out there week one and, and not have a great feeling about it especially against the Patriots uh, Gerald Everett is 
I would say, and, and Cole Komet are the two breakout candidates that are still still hanging on there. And I think Everett has probably been trending up this offseason because he's looked really good in camp. Uh, Pete Carroll said some good things about him. And, of course, he rejoined his uh, offensive coordinator there that the, the Seahawks poached from the Rams, and they immediately went out and signed Everett. So that sounds like um, they're looking at him as a major cog. And, of course, Russell Wilson – Loves him as well. And then Cole Komet, you know, trended up late last year. And the only concern I have really with him is that Jimmy Graham's still there and he's going to get, you know, two or three red zone targets a game probably because he's a uh, he's good at uh, jumping up in the jump balls because he's a former basketball player. I don't know if he knew that Jimmy Graham was a former basketball player. But <laughs> Komet's not going to have a full breakout until Graham is out of the way. So that's the concern with him. Uh, Waldron, by the way, off the offense coordinator. For the Rams. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, John, moving on. Don, DeAndre Swift, the Detroit Free Press confirms there's at least some concern over DeAndre Swift's core injury and his week one status. Swift is practicing on, on a limited basis. What's your advice for fantasy owners here? Yeah, this has kind of been ongoing, and he had missed a lot of time, but they uh, apparently were being really cautious with him in camp. And then they, they did bring him back, and he had a lot of reps. Um, if he's practicing and even if he's limited right now, I would assume that he's going to play week one. I think, I think what, uh, Mike Campbell's talking about and the press is talking about is that maybe he'll be on a snap count unless there's some sort of setback in, in practice. I think he'll end up playing in, in week one. I just think that's going to be a tough, number one, it's going to be a tough game. Cause I, I, if I'm not mistaken, they're playing the 49ers, uh, who are getting, you know, most all of their defense back uh, this year after a rough injury year. And, you know, you're worried, you're worried about his wind and whether or not he's in shape. So you might see a little bit more Jamal Williams in week one than you would have. But I think he's probably going to play. Am I, you know, I'm not targeting him. I wouldn't mind taking him if I needed an RB2 in the fourth or even fifth round if he falls that far. Um, but it's not some, he's not somebody I'm going after. And he just hasn't been a guy I've been going after all year. Uh, I think he's talented. Uh, I think he should see a lot of targets. He could turn into like an Austin Eckler type, but I just wonder – Number one, how many touchdowns is this team going to score? And, you know, how much is Jamal Williams going to play? And people are like, oh, he's Jamal Williams. He stinks, whatever. They don't the, – the, the Lions don't think that. And I certainly have seen Jamal Williams eat into a good, really good running back's uh, workload uh, for years in, in Green Bay. And, you know, they obviously really like Williams. They gave him a lot of money to come in and he's going to play. So, you know, maybe they're both on the field at the same time. That would solve some of the problems If Swift's, you know, playing in the slot. That would solve a lot of the problems that you might have about uh, his, his upside or workload. Um, but, you know, couple that with the groin injury and you could see him getting off to a, a slow start uh, to start the year. All right, John, let's do our underdog ADP check. Let's highlight a few players who are going significantly earlier on, uh, significantly earlier or later in fantasy drafts. And for clarity here, we're going to discuss some of the data from 444's underdog ADP app, which users can sort sort by a seven-day change. So the ADP we're going to discuss is from the last couple of days, and we're comparing it to the data from a week ago to see the biggest movers. Let's talk first about the risers. How about Sony Michelle? ADP was one is now is now one eighteen. His ADP is now one eighteen. It's a plus ninety seven pick change. So talk to us about Sony Michelle. Yeah, so that's all stubbing from the trade. Now he's uh, gone from being the backup in a giant committee in New England where they don't feature anyone 
to a really good offense uh, with the Rams. And, you know, there are those who think that he can beat out uh, Darrell Henderson for the job. And so that's why he's going, uh, you know, looks like it's uh, 10th round. And I think that's a pretty decent spot for him, kind of around the Tony Pollards and the uh, formerly the Latavius Murrays and the Alexander Madisons of the world. Uh, A.J. Dillon's going a little bit earlier, but that's sort of, you know, a talented backup who could move into uh, RB1 role if, uh, if there's an injury in front of him. All right, we just discussed Gus Edwards a couple of minutes ago. His ADP is now 66. It's plus 54 coming off the J.K. Dobbins injury. Where should owners be targeting Gus Edwards? I like this ADP. It's, you know, mid-sixth round. Uh, I think he could be going near the 4-5 turn. Uh, fifth round feels right to me uh, to get him in the middle of the sixth as, you know, after you've already made five picks, I think that's a... I think that's. I think people are just kind of sleeping on him a little bit, and maybe he's got a boring name. You know, he's, he's one of these guys that suffers from the Gus Edwards. You know, <laughs> what a boring name. Um, but you know, you can call him Gus the Bus, make it a little more exciting for yourself when you pick him. Uh, but you know, he's he's. What I don't get is that Dobbins was going in the third or fourth round with Gus Edwards behind him, eating into his carries and touches, and now Dobbins is gone out of out of the way for the year. And Edwards is the lead back. He does not have a player of Edwards' caliber behind him right now. Uh, and he is going in the sixth round. Uh, yes, he doesn't maybe catch the ball as well as Dobbins does, but we don't know that for sure. Uh, and this is such a good uh, rushing attack that uh, I think that you, people are sleeping on him. Let's talk about Ramondre Stevenson. ADP of one is, is now 150. It's a plus 43 change. What are your thoughts on Stevenson? Yeah, Michelle being moved bumps Stevenson up the the depth chart. It's it's funny because there's a lot of people who love Damian Harris, and then there's another faction that loves Stevenson and think that he's going to win the job. And I just am going to go with my Patriots running back committee experience and just kind of stay away from this uh, group unless the, uh, uh, the the value gets to be so good. Typically, you you want to go for the guys like James White or the you know the last guy being drafted in the, in the committee when it comes to the Patriots, because that's probably the best value, because they're all going to see some time. Let's talk about Jameis Winston. His ADP is now 162. It's plus 37 change now that he's been named the starter. What do you think about his value? I would like it more if, uh, you know, Michael Thomas were healthy. Uh, th- that whole situation is really weird. I don't like the the way that Thomas and the Saints are interacting or how that's all going down. So I don't have a great feeling about him being back late in the year. I think for now, he, it's okay. He's kind of lacking... Uh, receiving talent, they lost Jared Cook. You know, Michael Thomas in the um, uh, in the in the fold right now. Marquez Callaway is, is trending up. Traquan Smith's been injured, so just and then uh, Adam Troutman's been injured, so they're just kind of making do at at the receiver tight end position, and that's not great for Winston. But in terms of where he was to where he is now, it's obviously a, a boon for him and his value. How about James Robinson? His ADP is forty eight plus thirty two. Where should owners be targeting him? Yeah, I like Robinson. I, I I worry a little bit about Urban Meyer and what's going on in Jacksonville. It seems like kind of a I guess the, the practices haven't looked very good, and it just looks like maybe I don't know, clown show is probably a strong, strong phrase, but this <laughs> offense should be better with uh, Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, and they've got a good group of receivers. And you know, Robinson proved that he could post RB one numbers last year, uh, even in bad circumstances on a bad team. So. I think ADP 48 is more than fair. I would I would look at him in the fourth round for sure if I needed an RB2. Uh, if I was going running back heavy and wanted him as my RB3, that's totally fine. Um, 
but it's about where it should be. And maybe a little bit, I would go a little bit higher on him. I think he's talented. And the only concern really, I mean, there's two concerns. One is that the offense isn't even as good as it was last year, which, you know, that was a pretty low bar to, (laughs) to hurdle. Um, (laughs) And the other is that, you know, Carlos Hyde is there, but he's, He's he's older, and you know we wonder how much work he's going to get. I mean, Robinson saw virtually every touch in that backfield last year, and that's what led to his RB one season. But you're just looking at him now as an RB two, and I think he can get there without you know while seeding some some touches to to hide. What about Tayson Williams? You talked about him a couple of minutes ago. One ninety four is his ADP now. It's plus twenty two. Well, his plus twenty two is the the movement on the ADP. Yeah, two two one ninety four, and I think he's now. People are realizing that. Just, I mean, Justice Hill might be still going ahead of him. I didn't check, but uh, people are starting to realize that he's the backup there to Gus Edwards. And you know, for, at, at pick one ninety four, I think that's a that's a good value for that offense and the upside that he would have if he were the RB one. All right, Marquez Callaway ADP is now two ninety seven, up up twenty one spots. Yeah, pick ninety seven that puts you in the ninth round, and that that's. See, that's to me is is fine if you knew Thomas were, was out the entire year. But if you're expecting Thomas back for, you know, midseason, then I think that's pretty pricey for a guy who has not done it yet in the NFL. I mean, he looked great in that preseason game with Winston. He got to cut the two touchdowns. Uh, they, they've been raving about him all offseason. So if you're taking him in the ninth round as your whatever receiver three, receiver four, then you you just don't have a great feeling about the Mike, uh, Michael Thomas situation and you're expecting him to miss most of the year because if he comes back and gets his 12, 10 to 12 targets, then where does that leave Callaway? All right, a couple of, let, let's group these together because they're the Patriots. So James White, his ADP is now 163. Mac Jones, his ADP is now 197. Jacoby Myers, his ADP is now 114. All are up about 13 to 17 picks following the Cam Newton news. Yeah, don't tell you know, Cam Newton this, you know, after getting cut that everybody's ADP and the offense is up after he got <laughs> cut. I mean, it's going be pretty depressing for him. Uh, but this just goes to show you what the, the change in the offense and what we were expecting in terms of pass volume means for guys like James White and Jacoby Myers. And obviously Mac Jones, Mac Jones went in the job, moves his ADP up, but Myers, uh, was the clear wide receiver one last year. He's got more competition this year, but apparently in camp, he's looked great. And, uh, he did. He fared really well on Matt Harmon's reception perception uh, charting as well. Uh, Harmon added him to his database, and you know he finished middle of the pack uh, in in his route running. So that's that's good, uh, and probably the highest volume player in this offense right now. Uh, you know, looking forward is, is Myers, and he's going to pick one. You know, one one four. So that's. Um, 10th round. I think I'd be more inclined to take Myers in the 10th round than Callaway in the ninth. All right, one more, and then we'll do some fallers. So this is one more riser, then we'll get to some fallers. This is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. ADP is 149. It's plus 16. What do you think about the Packers receiver? Yeah, and this is, you know, we have to probably be up front that this is best ball ADP, and I think he's better in best ball. He's one of these guys that's better in best ball because you just can't necessarily count on him uh, even to get you a point in a given week because <laughs> he might have three targets in, and two drops. But uh, apparently he's looked great. Uh, in camp, he's focused. He's professional. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has been raving about him, which is usually a good sign. And uh, you know, he's going 13th round. I think that's fair. And it looks like he has so much speed that if he's catching the ball even slightly better than he did last year, he's going to be on the field because he's you know he he can just take the top off the defense and open things up for everybody else. Uh, but 
he's one that can get you three for 150 and a touchdown or two uh, in a given week, and that makes him valuable. I think, you know, in redraft, 13th round, 14th round is fair. You, you're you not going to feel good about starting him until you start to see him in a consistent five-plus target role, and he's not dealing with the drops that he's been dealing with over the last, uh, you know, the start of his career. So I think he's continuing to improve. And he just has that thing you can't teach, which is speed. And he, he stuck with it, and they've stuck with him, and he's, he's producing. Let's do some fallers now. Xavier Jones injured his Achilles, and he's been waived. So minus 42 picks off the ADP. Yeah, that doesn't matter. He's just, he's just dropped off the face of the earth, and I think, uh, in terms of his ADP. And I think people just need to know that he's not the, the backup there anymore. Michelle's in as the backup, and then... Uh, it was a Jake Funk is the third guy that's going to be behind uh, Michelle and, and Jones is basically uh, off the radar now. Let's talk about Adam Troutman. ADP is now 196, so he falls 32 spots. Nick Underhill reports that he saw a foot specialist. Trout, Troutman did, not Nick Underhill. <laughs> Troutman saw a foot specialist on 826. And and the initial belief is that Troutman's, Troutman's dealing with a one- to three-week injury. On August 30th, Underhill spotted Troutman working off on the side. So do you think that we could be seeing a one-week injury more so than a three-week injury, John? I think so. If he's back, if he's back uh, this week already, and he's working off to the side, they, you know, I think he might be trending into where he can play in week one or at least week two. And uh, he's been dropping in ADP for a couple of reasons. One is one is a foot injury, but the other is that Juwan Johnson has been running a lot of those move route, uh, move tight end routes. Uh, he's a converted, and we mentioned him before. He's a converted uh, receiver who is enjoying the conversion to tight end because he likes to eat. And I'm going to mention that every time I talk about him, at least until I get sick of the joke. But that's that's hilarious to me. I love it. I, uh, that's a great attitude. He loves to eat, so he's fine gaining weight. And uh, he obviously looks good as a tight end because he's a former receiver. Uh, this is These converted receivers have worked out in the past, and uh, maybe it'll work out here as well. Troutman, so, uh, you know, Juwan Johnson's going extremely late in drafts. A lot of people don't even talking about him, but um, he's an interesting late round pick and then I think Troutman now going in the 17th round he still is likely to see 70 80 90 percent of the snaps and could have a breakout season now he wasn't he was you know high-end tight end two in my rankings for a while because I thought that he was going to take this job and run with it and then he was sharing some time with Johnson and I started to move him down started to move him down then he got the foot injury I still think he's top 20, 25-ish, and has a chance to break out uh, this this season because he's going to play a lot. They, they need him. Like they're, they're, they're shorthanded at all positions in the receiving game. So you might see Troutman and Johnson on the field together. More fallers now. Latavius Murray, ADP is 173. It's a minus 28 change. The associated move then is Tony Jones. 203 is now his ADP. He's up 11 picks. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when Jones passes Murray because – you know, the beat writers, and I think Sean Payton even said that Jones is the RB2 right now, which is a little bit surprising. But Murray, you know, Murray played really well, like our overall RB1 well in terms of production when Kamara missed time over the last couple seasons. And I guess he's just like 31 now, and maybe he's a step slow and, you know, just getting you know his lunch eaten by Jones. Uh, so Murray no longer looks like the high upside, double digit round type uh, back, you know, injury backup. Uh, or a guy who might see 
eight to ten carries in a game. If if Jones is ahead of him, then that that role goes to him. And I don't think they want to run Kamara fifteen twenty times. I think they want to give him seven or eight catches, uh, run him twelve times, and then then you know leave some of the other harder work between the tackles to another running back. And that might be Jones if he's ahead of Murray. I mean, he might be the guy getting eight to ten touches and then could blow up if. If Kamara's out, so I think uh, fantasy owners should pay attention to that. Let's talk about Brashad Perryman. He's cut by the Lions. His ADP now 211, minus 23 picks. Associated move there is Tyrell Williams, whose ADP is now 154, up six spots. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for Perryman. Imagine getting cut by the Lions given their (laughs) current receiver situation. I mean, this is like, you have to be questioning things. Hopefully he uses it as uh, motivation and can hook on with another team and uh, hopefully continue his career but that's that's a that's a tough pill to swallow uh Terrell Williams looks like he's going to see a ton of targets he's going to you know maybe behind uh TJ Hawkinson uh probably competing with DeAndre Swift for you know the second most targets on the team uh I would think and uh you know Amon Rossi Brown's apparently been fine but he's not playing the same percentage of snaps that Williams is projected to play based on preseason usage so, you know, Williams is going to be out there as long as he can stay healthy, which has always been a big question for him. Uh, he should produce something. I don't know that he's going to score many touchdowns for this team, but he, you know, could see five for 60 on a pretty regular basis and maybe crack a thousand yards if he can stay healthy. T.Y. Hilton has, neck, has a neck injury and is unlikely uh, to make the start of the season. He's going to miss. Some, some are saying, I've seen like, you know, up to three weeks some some project maybe longer his ADP is 179 and he's minus 20 picks here's the associated move you got Michael Pittman the ADP is 94 he's he's 10 he's plus 10 picks yeah he's moved up about a round and that makes sense with with Hilton out of the picture Pittman becomes the clear if he wasn't already he's the clear wide receiver one in this offense the 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 issue is that this offense has spread the targets around pretty you know pretty evenly I should say uh, over the last couple of years, uh, no 100 target players, I think, in the last two seasons. And then Hilton and uh, I want to, I can't remember who the other player was, maybe it was Jack Doyle, um, were, the, were the leading two, two or three years ago, uh, went over 100 targets. So my concern with the offense is that they spread it around. You know, these guys are going to get three to five, tar- I'll get three or five targets, whoever's open in a given play. They're not going to force feed anyone. Um, but I think it also is just sort of stems from not having an alpha receiver. So if Pittman becomes that guy and his route running was well regarded by Matt Harmon, reception perception, uh, they've been pumping him up over there and, you know, it looks like Carson Wentz is going to play week one. So that, that's all pointing in the right direction for Pittman. I think he's, you know, 94 is a little steep for me, but uh, I think that's a reasonable ADP for him. All right, David Johnson. We're going to go through a couple more here. David Johnson, ADP is 191. He's minus 14 picks. Yeah, I thought Philip Lindsay was going to start. Apparently, Mark Ingram now is the leading running back. This is a disaster. Like, this is a disaster <laughs> waiting to happen. There, are, there will be some production in this backfield, but there's no telling who it's going to be. Uh, David Johnson actually averaged 4.7 yards per carry last year if I'm not mistaken, and everybody's talking about how inefficient he was running the ball. I, you know, it doesn't add up there. But now they're going to make him more of a pass-catching specialist, but he didn't catch many passes last year for the team that, for a team that went 4-12. and 12. Uh, Of course, I'm guessing on the – I think it was 4-12. and 12. Um, With the same offense and the same OC. So I 
this is a, this is not good. Uh, I, I did draft Johnson once in a league, and I immediately regretted it. <laughs> I wish I had gone <laughs> elsewhere, but it looked like at that point he was still going to lead this backfield in touches, and now it looks like it, he's going to be third. All right, Michael Carter, ADP is 106, minus 14 picks. Yeah, I think Carter could still – I think at this point you might want to scoop up some Carter if you thought that his ADP was a little too high earlier in the year. Going in the ninth round now uh, – almost 10th round. I think there's some potential here. It looks like this, uh, uh, it's uh, Matt LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, is, uh, Mike LaFleur is his brother. He's the OC for uh, the Jets. He wants to replicate, according to Connor Hughes, a beat writer, he wants to replicate the, the 49ers uh, committee, which is not great for fantasy. Uh, Connor Hughes is also the same guy who said that Carter was going to be the starter before long. He's the most one of the most elusive dynamic backs that he's seen uh, covering uh, football. And so th- all these things kind of pumped Carter's ADP into the seventh round. And I drafted him there at some point as my RB3. And uh, you're just going to have to be patient and see if he can uh, either by attrition or talent uh, take over the, the RB1 spot and start to see those 12 to, to 16 uh, touches per game that he's going to need to produce and uh, a fantasy starter numbers. But I think he's got the talent. I'm not none of these guys, Tubby Coleman, Ty Johnson, these guys scare me too much talent wise. Uh, and Carter's a you know can catch the ball as well. So, and I think people in general are just kind of sleeping on this Jets offense because they still think it's uh, kind of Adam Gase's Jets, but it's not. So it's a completely new regime. You got a new quarterback, new offense. I think you got to look at it with fresh eyes and give him a chance. All right, last one. Let's talk about Darrell Henderson. His ADP is now fifty four. It's minus eleven in terms of his picks. Should owners buy the dip on Henderson? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, going in the in the middle of the the fifth round now you can get him as your RB two. Uh, I've seen him go on the sixth round drafts. I think that's, I think that's great value as an RB two RB three type. Uh, Sean McVay came out after the, uh, Shoney Michelle trade and said that this doesn't change anything for Henderson. Now that could just be coach speak. Uh, certainly changes it somewhat for him. Um, but I, I think the, the goal here is to get him through the entire season as the lead back and, and, that means having some Michelle and he's not going to, you know, Henderson's not going to see 20 plus touches per game. I don't think he can handle it. So you bring in Michelle to help and uh, maybe Henderson sees those 15 touches uh, that he saw from week two to week seven last year when he was posting RB one numbers. I mean, that's certainly reasonable. This is going to be a really good offense. He's a good player. Uh, Michelle's a good player, but I think Henderson has more talent. So as long as he can stay upright and healthy, he's going to produce. All right, that'll do it for John Paulson. I'm Anthony Stalter. That wraps it up this week. Don't forget to take advantage of that promo with Underdog and lock in your pro subscription at 4 for 4. Again, the link to hit is bit.ly backslash 4 for 4 deal. That last part, 4 for 4 deal, is all in caps. If you want a DFS or betting subscription, then hit bit.ly backslash prize picks and that prize picks is in is is in all caps for all the details. Of course, you can go to John's Twitter page at uh, four for four underscore John. You can find that twin Pete, uh, twin, geez, I screwed that up twice, John. Uh, you that pinned tweet at the top of John's Twitter page. And you can, again, find all the details right there. We'll be back next week again for John Paulson. I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on the most accurate podcast. Down in the